The Tigers are playing. Two nights. I never miss a game. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. Give me all you got! You know, I don't know how to do laundry, Stuart. I've been needing laundry lessons. You're goddamn right. Welcome to Comic-Con. A geek podcast for the rest of us. A geek podcast for the rest. Look, before we get started on this thing, there might have been an ulterior motive to this whole conversation. Boobies. Well, it never hurts. Especially boobies in space. Tits and lasers and robots. And I gotta say, the movie that I'm gonna talk about tonight with you hits on all three. So how could we not talk about it on this Comic-Con's podcast? Sci-fi galore, sir. Sci-fi galore. Everybody knows you got to have a trifecta if you're going to come to the party, all right, kids? You got to have the Tatskis. You got to have lasers. You got to have robots or cyborgs. You know, why be biased? I mean, am I right or am I right? When you're right, you're right. Hey, and I'm always right. Welcome to Comic-Con's podcast, the geek podcast for the rest of us who are the motherfucking rest of us. My name is Nick Stevens, and I am your host, but in a way, aren't we all... Trying to get through space on time with a ship that also has tits. And joining me on the ZWM Box 350 is none other than Mr. J. Clark. One day we'll hear his government name, but until that day, he's going with the alias. And my God, is he a handsome, handsome alias tonight. How you doing, sir? It's been too long. Way too long. Good to be back. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. Cause we're back in the ghetto, back in the ghetto, back in the ghetto again. I don't know why I'm saying back in the ghetto. I don't know why I said that. Actually, I do know why I said that. Maybe it was a psychosomatic thing. Psychosomatic attic insane. Mm. Because before we touch on a little space jaunt of a flick from 1980, let's um let's talk about that Andor for a second, you know? Are you uh, are you immersed? Are you are you? Did you get through it all? Uh, yes, uh, another story. Yes, inspired by Star Wars, right? Both <laughs> uh, battle and Endor. It's kind of a big deal, right? I think it is. I, I really like that. I watched all three episodes today. Me too. Um, enjoy the 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 heck out of it. Um, I love that uh, how it started all the way through. I got some like very. Obviously, episode one vibes, but it had a bit of like Blade Runner kind of vibes too, which I love. It did have the. Um, I was going to talk to you about that because it had a little bit of that that Norse uh, Blade Runner vibe to it. You know, when he's like in the rain in the first episode and the lighting. Um, did it, didn't it seem like it was like almost a bigger scale too? Because they didn't use they didn't use that tech they used for Mando. They they shot everything on location, right? Yeah, this might have been a little bit more practical. I mean, if it takes after uh, Rogue One, um, that kind of makes sense because Rogue One has that kind of like vista, that that angle, that perspective um, from the little man. This, this is a little man story so right. far. And he's in, he's kind yeah. of in the ghetto, you know what I mean? He's kind of in like a 
you know, a, 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 in an area that suffered a horrible mining accident. So the jobs are scarce. You know what I'm saying? People are just kind of getting by. There's a corporate security, might as well be OCP. They, you know what I mean? They're not quite the empire, but they work for the empire, right? That's the, that's that's the feeling I got. But they're but the rebels aren't really quite there yet. And our guy Andor, he's not full blown rebel yet. This is five years before Rogue One, which I liked. I liked that they tell you that at the, at the top of the show. They say five um, BBY or whatever. I I like that. That was good. I like that frame of reference. I love it. Yeah, I know. It's a great origin story, right? It's his origin story. You see it through the eyes uh, of, of his, through his eyes, you know, in this very social or the lower echelon of the social structure in this Star Wars universe. You said it so much more uh, eloquently than I did. I was like, I mean, they're kind of in the ghetto, right? After a horrible mining accident. And you're like, well, yeah, I practice saying that all day. So. <laughs> I always, you know, what what can I say? Um, at least it wasn't Tatooine, right? It was a nice, fresh pace. It wasn't, you know, another Tatooine origin, right? You really feel like you're in that world. You know what I mean? Uh, now, t- let's talk about the script. The, the Tony Gilroy, do you know much about him? I don't know much about him, but I thought the script was great. Yeah, I don't know much about him or his uh, work, but I think the script is great. I have no problem with the story. Uh, you can you can follow the plot really well. Um, the dialogue, I think, is really good. And of course, you got great actors. I think that the cast is phenomenal. And yeah, I love the that you start with him this journey from the first shot, basically. I, I was telling everybody, you know, people ask me, hey, you watch it? You like it? You like it? People hit me up. Kamikaze's talking to me. And I said, well, there's no lightsaber in sight, not a Jedi in sight. But I really liked it. No Jedi, no lanterns. And yet, and yet I really liked it. Because for that same reason, a kind of change of pace in terms of the storytelling and the point of view and the perspective, a little bit of that, ooh, who is this guy? Who is this... Stellan Skarsgård coming out of the woodwork. Is he, is he a rebel? Is he full blown? We don't really know yet. What are his motives? You know, he sees something in in Andor, so this is very interesting. I like where it's going. I even like the little, uh, the putsy fucking um, would be madman exec on the rise who, despite his commander's instructions, decides to go for a full blown venture into uh, chasing after Andor. And uh, I, I, I like that setup too. And and also how it ends, spoilers kids, they dropped all three on Disney Plus. At the end of that three episode arc, you really see like the characters change drastically, you know? And you kind of get the self-realization of like, oh, this is this is war. This is this is bodies, this is bloodshed, this is what happens. It's very cool. Yeah, the consequences of our decisions, yeah. Yeah. You know, who would have thought that our choices have serious consequences? Us of all people, how how would we know? <laughs> how would we know, you know? I knew when I watched it, I think I hit you up and I said, hey, man, you're really going to like this show. We've had a lot of conversations. I like to think that I kind of know what makes you tick. Yes, sir. And I knew you would love it because I loved it. And I, uh, for the various reasons why I know you love that Blade Runner universe and, I, and you like things that have a very cerebral aspect to them. I thought this had a little bit more of a cerebral aspect to it than the other Star Wars stories, you know, that are more straightforward. Well, it just, I, I, it's great that it kind of like, it really expands the universe. Because like you said, there's there's no lightsabers. But in this world, you're you're so far removed. Like, like we said before, in, in the social ladder of things, that it's, you know, it's you. It's, it's the worker. It's the blue collar. Um, and, you know, there's a corporatocracy. 
who's kind of like working for the Empire. And then there's the Empire and then Jedi or, or Sith and Jedi. So uh, these characters um, seeing this, the world through their eyes, I think it just it, it really um, I don't know. It's, it's just um, it fills up the world a little bit more uh, more tangibly. No, I agree. And it's always very interesting when you have different factions, right? Even how art reflects real life or real life reflects art. Let's get a little deep on this podcast. Let's let's bring it down a little bit. It's always very interesting to me when a group of people turns against another group of people. And we're all the same people. And yet there we are, fighting for that same loaf of bread, frothing at the mouth, scrambling like crabs in a barrel, pulling one down to the mucky muck into the dirt off we go sauntering down the beaten path looking back at once was i don't even know the point is i love how we're just getting closer and closer to our mics and looking yeah, at you, each other's eyes as you have to <laughs> i have to get real serious now the tones of the show reflect the quagmires that we see on a daily basis the strife both political and social and economic Reflected in our times, times reflected back. Crisis precipitates change. No, you always have to. You always have to get. <laughs> oh, you have a good plethora of uh, fancy words there. Oh, a, a plethora, huh? A plethora, would, sir. Would you say I have a plethora? <laughs> I did go there. Did say plethora, sir? That's such a great movie, isn't it? Isn't it such a great movie? Like classic, another classic. Just, there's just certain movies that will just stay in that lexicon. You know what I mean? Like Three Amigos, Blues Brothers, Wayne's World. There's just shit like that stays. Like, and it just I don't. Anytime somebody could be talking to me, dead face serious, telling me some horrifying news, right? Like I don't know. Like your family was struck down by a plethora, and then and the minute they say plethora, I go plethora. And that's something you take with you for you know for the rest of your life, and it's kind of like a, it's like a mason, kind of like a handshake, you know, secret thing. Yeah. Where I I go plethora, you go plethora, I go yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like that Batman eighty nine thing, you know. He set me up over a woman, a woman. If somebody comes up to me and they say, actually, there's a woman downstairs, a woman. They look at me like I'm crazy, and then I look right back at them and I go. Where have you been spending your nights? <laughs> You're an A1 nut boy and Grissom knows it. And we're here to talk about Batman 89, folks, once again. No, but seriously, um, about nine years before Batman 89, there was a movie that came out in 1980. Now, this is the kind of offbeat circle jerk of a movie that I would normally like celebrate for an anniversary, you know, but I don't regard it as, as a tried true classic because I, I didn't grow up with it. However, I always saw it at the Blockbuster, at the fucking Arrows, at, that's right, kids, I went there, Arrows, if you don't know you gooks, at the fucking Hollywood video, on the Netflix even. Actually, I don't know if I ever saw it on Netflix, but it definitely likes to pop up on that Amazon Prime like a motherfucker. It likes to fucking pop up. You know, the algorithms, you know, these internet algorithms, Jay. This AI thinks yeah. that I like all this nerdy stuff. Right, 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 right. You know, so you like looking at pits and lasers and robots. You might like Battle Beyond the Stars. And it wasn't directed by Roger Corman, but it might as well have been because it was a Roger Corman production. And anybody that doesn't know Roger Corman, if you don't know your googs, 
Uh, he made that live-action Fantastic Four that never saw the light of day. He made a plethora of horrible B-movies. He was notorious for just ripping pages out of the script when uh, movies were, you know, going past their shooting schedule. And uh, he's just that B-movie king, you know what I mean? It shouldn't come as a surprise this is a little bit of a B-movie. I think it had like a $2 million budget or some shit. Mm, I'm not surprised. It, it, it shows. Right. <laughs> you mentioned something about Star Wars at the top of the show, and I want to say, you know what? This was definitely trying to cash in on that sweet, sweet spot of a Star Wars fucking melting wax vagina orgasm. Don't you think? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to cash in on the whole Star Wars craze. I mean, it's, I don't know, man. There's, I think at some point it should have turned into a director's cut, kind of like a porn thing. I think it's, that's what it requires. It's got a but. lot of, it's got a lot of that in there. It's got, it's got one scene in particular that we're going to talk about at length. So just let me get there at one point. Don't worry, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get to it. But there's definitely a few scenes that could have gone hard left or hard right, where one minute it's like, wait a minute, is that an Android? Yeah. No, it's my cock. I mean, it's got some valid Dory points. I, mean, I, I, I like the whole like Magnificent Seven, kind of like a Samurai Seven thing they were trying to go for. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, let, let's 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 tell the Comic Cons what the fuck this movie is actually about. <laughs> let's let's. <laughs> what is it about though? Well, there's a horrible man named Sador, and he's a Maladior, and he's going to conquer the planet. Akari, or Akiri, who gives a fuck? And the people are so docile. They're even keeled and mild-mannered. They don't know anything about war. All right, easy, Comic-Con Creeper, easy. Can we just, can you just tell us what it's about? And so Sador tries to conquer. Says he'll be back in seven, why does he say he'll be back in like seven days? He shows up, he could have blasted them away and made them all his slaves, but he's like, I will return. In seven cycles, or seven sunsets. God in this world. Yeah, I guess. And so it then the town takes it upon themselves to elect Shade, aka Bill Richardson, the biggest pussy of an actor in the world. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, he's a pussy. He was a pussy in it. He was a pussy well, he's in. He's got Ozark. a pussy name. Who, who the fuck names are kids? Shad. I mean, let's yeah, be real. Shad your, your or name Shad. is Chad, bro. Bro, your name is Chad, and you just wanted to have an S in there. You know, they elect him to go fucking find some mercenaries. So, yeah, it is Magnificent Seven. Somebody's coming to take yeah. over the town. They don't have a sheriff. So somebody goes off to find some fucking hired guns to fight off the bad guys. How many days it took you to like watch this thing? It took me like three days. I started it today on the train and I uh, <laughs> did quite a few several 15 second skipsies um, to get through it. And then I watched the rest of it in bed next to my son while my son passed out in my arms. And then I... Because it's kind of goofy, right? It's kind of cheesy. It's hard to watch. It's a hard watch. Because it's not even like... It's not even bad in a fun way. You know, like some bad movies you could watch with your friends and like it's so bad, it's hilarious and you could like have a good time. It's bad in a very... You know? Mm-hmm. Like it's cringe. Like it's a lot of scenes are kind of cringeworthy, and I, and yet I got to give it credit for having a cool premise because I like the premise. I like the idea of a space sci-fi Magnificent Seven. I think I'd like to see that now, you know. Um, mm. But obviously, with better 
acting and better script, a better script and maybe just better special effects. And I think the only way I would like it more is if the ship actually had like real tits and not just like, you know, incognito tits. Like it had, it had, it had those two like bosom esque hole things that stood out. That if you look back on it now, like it looks like it, they look kind of like, like the ship's alive. It's organic. Yeah. And that was another thing that kind of fucked me up. Like, the voice wasn't even remotely sexy. It was like an old woman voice. It was like, Fred, Fred, you forgot to take out the dishes, Fred. Take out the dishes <laughs> instead of take out the trash. You forgot to take out dishes and you forgot to wash the trash. It's raining like dogs and cats out there, eh? John McLean. I mean, wouldn't it have been better if like the voice was like, yeah, welcome. We have blood to spare. Mm, my name's Proxima Midnight. Again, we were making way too much eye contact. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I'm looking right at you like, we have blood to spare. No, she's like, we have blood to spare. God, that Proxima Midnight. That Proxima Midnight. And I'm all here for it. Yeah, she... um. Yeah, goddamn. Was it Danning? What's her name? Proxima Midnight. No, Proxima Midnight from Infinity War. Oh, I was oh, saying yeah, it'd be better. Yeah. I would be. I was saying it'd be better if the ship's voice was Proxima Midnight's. Yeah, yeah, something sexy like that. No, Sybil Danning you. shows up later as one of the uh, aforementioned uh, mercenaries. She's like a she's a, a would be mm. space Valkyrie, and she even says she's from Valkyrie, which is a nice fun play on words there. Um. Mm. And her headdress and everything looked like straight up like post-apocalyptic Wonder Woman, but like sex toy version. I mean, the, the, I think aside from the visual spectacles, right, that were hanging off of her. Uh, oh, um, you now we're talking about Tatskis? Kind of more visually. Yeah, yeah. Some space Tatas. I, I, I think she was one of the more visually striking or interesting characters. I don't know why they didn't do more of that with because everything else kind of it's kind of. I don't know. Boring. I think a, a, a seven foot Valkyrie with half her tits out is way more interesting. <laughs> well, that's my argument. And I always make that argument and people can roll their eyes all they want. I know it's 2022 and I know we're not supposed to objectify women, but here's the deal. If you're going to do a movie like this and you're going to be just flat out fucking camp, full camp, you might as well have some fucking tits. Might as well. Yeah. That's my thing. You know, don't be afraid like Paul Verhoeven. Don't be, look, don't be a pussy. You know, if you're going to make a space camp movie like Paul Verhoeven did in 1990 with Total Recall, give us a three-titted uh, prostitute. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Gratuitous nudity. And you, make a, and you make a good point, too, because it's like um, it's like Roger Corman just rips page pages off the script. Because he's like, okay, this page costs like $500,000. Right, right. And this, like, we're in like almost post production, whatever. So I guess like his project, like they start off, they start off okay, but it just gets worse and worse. Well, I think a lot <laughs> of people, I think a lot of people kind of look up to him as the guy that just made shit, right? So he was like more concerned with just making a quick movie. And he'd be like, we're going to shoot this thing in like 30, 60 days. And if you guys can't ring it in under 30, 60, 90 days or whatever, then then we're just going to cut shit out of the movie. And I think that's what happened with Fantastic Four when they shot it. It was like overly ambitious. And then there was like no press for it, no touring for it. The special effects fell flat. 
there's a whole documentary that I watched just about his fucking Fantastic Four movie. And it's pretty fascinating because mm. even the actors themselves helped fucking promote the movie out of their own pocket because they were so invested in the project. And if you listen to interviews of people talking about this movie, like they had some good actors in this movie. You had John Saxon, who played Sador, who was a classic 80s villain actor. You had uh, George Peppard from fucking A-Team um, showing up in here as the, as the space cowboy. And he was fine. He, he, he was great. Um, and even Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn was fantastic. Um, I really think the performances weren't even that bad in this. But that's what made it so hard to watch. Like, it's just the the script and the and the strained moments in between, and and also like all the weird like crystal shit they were trying to do to like when like how do I say this without sounding like a fucking conceited fuck? Maybe you'll back me up on this. When sci-fi tries to go too sci-fi, right? Mm. Like when when they're when they're like. When they're looking through those viewfinder things and they're like frame five level frame six level stage level frame seven like no you don't have no just just say i'm looking through the viewfinder or it's in focus or just say it's out of focus or just say you know what i'm saying like you can still talk like a normal fucking person for the audience you don't have to be buried in like weird future sci-fi talk you know what i'm saying and i feel like yeah. some of those movies try to do that sometimes especially those older ones because they they want to be unique and stand apart from other sci-fi projects so that's where i was going at because it's like you're trying to kind of copy star wars but at the same time trying to be better or sound better or look better right like even those androids they try to make the androids look more human than necessary and like there was like that car thing that shad like sat in and then it buckled him in and like almost choked him and you're like wait what is this wait so she's being held against her will by her own dad to like work on robots the fuck yeah he's you trying know? to pimp her out to shod i want you to stay here and make babies with my daughter and i'll watch because didn't he say that he was the ship he was like I see everything because I'm the ship. Then you'd see us fucking, you fucking weirdo. You want to cuckold your, you want to cuckold your own daughter? What kind of a, what kind of a place oh, is this? Yeah. I was better yeah. off being chased by those pig alien guys. I I did like uh, again to to, to saying about the thing of how maybe it starts off on a in a good way the production like pre-production stuff maybe like because the models themselves like the spaceships and stuff pretty, look pretty good uh so all their pre-production stuff it looks good even the ship with the boobies i mean yeah um it's got boobies but it's still pretty unique design i think they were trying to i don't know if aliens had come out yet i think it did alien come out yet? alien maybe alien not. was like i think alien was 79 or 79 no that can't so, be yeah, right maybe yeah, maybe, I don't oh, know. Maybe it I was. thought maybe they were trying to like rip off because um, Alien had that kind of like organic, you know, very Freudian sexual, psychosexual, you know, kind of like penis designs everywhere. I don't know. Uh, um, I haven't been to therapy in a while, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was Freudian shit. And I and yeah. I was and I was okay with all that. I love Freudian shit. Look, you want to put a penis crystal in a movie? I'm all for it. You want to put tits on a ship? I'm all for it. 
my whole thing was if you were going to go full camp and full yeah. and full sexual undertone, just go the extra mile and be like, let's see some fucking action. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, dude, Look. like halfway through the movie, you should have just stopped production and say, hey, we're just going to film um, maybe these extra scenes and we're going to change the script and it's going to be a spoof. And then it's funny. And guess what? And then you beat Spaceballs to it. Right. That's true. They could have beat Spaceballs to it. That's for sure. They yeah. tried to have some humor in there. At one point, the uh, scientist weaponeer's daughter that we mentioned earlier has a scene with our main character and she says something about how his 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 uh, tool shaft or whatever got, lo- <laughs> got, got loose. And he's like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what... But he's not even like masculine in any kind of even a fake bravado way. Like you needed... You needed like a fucking Jack Burton to pull this off. And there's no Jack Burton. It's mm-hmm. this it's this would-be Luke Skywalker, but he doesn't even have the charm of Luke Skywalker. Because at one point, when our other aforementioned hot, hotness of hotness, the hotness of hotness, Sybil Danning shows up, and she wants to join his cause. He's a dick to her, and he's like the biggest dick because he doesn't even give her the time of day. I'm like, the hottest, hottest, hottest of hotties at in deep space wants to join your cause and you're turning her away but you're gonna I go agree. but you're gonna go after the four like telepathic milkmen with yeah it's kind of contradicting itself kind of because the movie is it is it like marketing like for like obviously adolescent like teenagers at the same time you have the main like teenager character like ignoring her like not you know addressing what's going on with her. dude i have no idea so who this movie's weird. for I, I have no idea like yeah. I, I don't know it's definitely not for kids um because mm-hmm. there's no like there's not even like a there's not even like a fun robot that kids can relate to like 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 c3po or like r2d2 or or like but it's the 80s like a bunch of shit that we saw really wasn't supposed to be for kids and we we took it all <laughs> well i we guess that's true too but that, but yeah. but okay but they even like, okay time. Yeah. but devil's advocate then to your point there's no there's no cool guy that we would relate to like there's no Bubba no. Fett there's no there's no um anchor cool anchor that yeah yeah like no you were right spot on like there's no Jack uh there's no Jack in this movie there's nothing there's no Kurt and Russell. that's and that's why it's a shitty movie because it's okay that it's camp it's okay that the effects are bad and and are just a product of its time it's okay that even some of the acting is off. But it doesn't stand out as a classic because there's nothing to fucking pull you in or connect you to it. You know what I'm saying? Like even in respect. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, even fucking Krull of all goddamn movies had fucking the Cyclops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And 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 it's probably a classic to a lot of people out there because you didn't see that. I don't know how I missed this one growing up. Well, it's a weird time, right? So it's 1980. So it's not really technically an 80s movie. Like for me, I think 80s movies has to be like in that 82, post 82, 83 ish, getting into your 85, 86, 87, or 89. And then by the time you get to 89, it's like we're right on the the cusp of the 90s. We're in a whole nother world, you know? Mm. So I think like 80s, very like we left the 70s. Let's see what we can do now, you know? Mm, Gotcha. It was right. Right at that time, that 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 pivotal, you know. Yeah, it's a weird. And, it's a weird time. Weird. Yeah, you're right. I like that. You know, that's a good point. So, and I like the fact that there must be like a whole 
uh, group of people out there that just love this, right? Movie, because it created kind of like um, an audience that love these B movies. I can kind of see that. And I love that. And I love the premise. I do love the premise. I love the idea of, of them doing a, a, you know, a Kurosawa, Seventh Samurai, um, Magnificent Seven, but in space. There's nothing wrong with taking somebody else's idea and then just changing the venue. And they could have had him just go to different planets, recruiting mercenaries, and it could have been a space Western and it could have been incredible. You know what I'm saying? And it wouldn't have even had to like change the budget that much. We didn't need all the spaceships fighting in space. It could have just been straight up like, no, I'm, I'm getting like five guys. And then those guys could have like helped him defend the planet or whatever. I even liked how a lot of them died. That was pretty cool. That stayed pretty true to uh, Magnificent Seven and, and, and the Kurosawa Seven Samurai. And it was actually kind of dark. Even our, even our girl, Sybil, fucking die <laughs> you know yeah. and by the yeah, way I'm god still... damn that's sybil danning i um this is the second podcast episode that i've mentioned sybil danning because i mentioned her on another episode with, with the monomoto because i recently saw her in the howling two and i was looking at her imdb and saw that she was in this so this was this was my um ulterior motive for watching this i wanted to see her in this valkyrie costume great costume I actually really liked her costume, aside from its obvious, you know, busty uh, compliments. I uh, I thought it was actually kind of a cool space Viking costume. Um, Did you like that space Viking or the second one, the, the iteration? I liked them both, but you're right that she had that second iteration that was almost like space piratey because she had her hair up in like a bandana and... God, if they just oh, gave her like a swashbuckling sword and like a bandana and some big hoop earrings. Mm. Don't worry. She she made a lot of other movies that we're going to be talking about soon. I have a whole list that's perfectly appropriate for this podcast. And um, and another thing I think I probably, and I'm sure you're, you'll agree with this. I think our favorite part of this movie is it's, it's something that I don't think we ever saw technically on screen, which is... The best thing to come out of this movie, come out of this movie, was um a James Cameron, a very young James Cameron, the VFX department. Didn't he design the, sh the ship? Didn't he? Didn't he do the ship design? Uh, I believe so. Yes, he worked on a lot of the uh, set design, uh, miniatures, um, the ships. So this was like his first, I think, production in a movie. So, um. His brilliance was on was you can almost see it, you know, right from the I, beginning. I wonder if he designed, uh, you know, Sybil Danning's costume, <laughs> or if that was all Gale and Heard, you know. Yeah, I don't know if he's like a Tom Cruise, like he's in every single department. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm sure. Um, but 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 there there were some things there, you know. I liked some of the production design. There's some of the ships. The other some of the other ships, like the, like Robert Vaughn's like Geld ship, and the uh, and Civil Danny ship. You can tell they 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 just cut costs. And but um, the titty ship, the booby ship, uh, like inside and I was designed. I think it was pretty cool. Um, if at times it felt like a '60s episode of Star Trek, um, it had it had a lot of Star Trek vibes too. It's funny that it's funny that it gets a lot of comparisons to. Well, I don't know if it gets comparisons to Star Wars. I think honestly, it was just trying to cash in on the Star Wars 
uh, craze. Because, you know, if you think about it, it was right after New Hope. It would have been right before, um, no, right before uh, Empire Strikes Back. And I think it was trying to cash in on on all of that. Um, It Mm. might even come out around the same time Empire Strikes Back came out. Mm. I'm not mistaken. Maybe. I, I always thought I'd seen this because um, I have um, a recollection of watching a Roger Corman movie with the ship with the boobies. And I don't know for what reason I for the longest time I thought, yeah, that's I saw that battles, you know, battle movie, um, battle beyond the stars movie. And then I realized I learned years later that it was um, what I what I did watch was Space Raiders, Space Raiders or, Space- or 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 Ice Pirates. Remember Ice Pirates? Well, no, Ice Pirates is, to me, it's on a different echelon of greatness in sci-fi. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Um, but yes, it, it, it comes from that B sci-fi B-movie world, but Space Raiders was the one that I watched. And what happened was um, they Roger Corman, four years later, this is 1984, was producing Space Raiders, and he reused all the ships. No fucking um, way. From Battle Beyond the Stars. Yeah, that's how cheap this, this dude was. Um, and then he reused the ships. He reused um, a lot of the shots um, from the space battles. Oh, and they it. even reused, um, which we should also mention, uh, James Horner uh, scores. <laughs> they reused the score. Weird. Yeah. They reused the score. So for the longest time growing up, I, I confused those because I was like, yeah, I think I saw that. That's one of my and, and those completely different movie. They take and a boy. I, they take a boy kid. into space in, in that one. Yeah, that's Stallone's kid from uh, Over the Top. I think it was like his Get first the movie. Fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. wild. And uh, that's that's the one I anchored to. That's my Corman movie. And that's the one I liked when I was like I watched and loved it when I was like six. Cause that's a little bit more contained. They, they, uh, it's it's still horrible. I was re-watching it just um, to, to kind of refresh my memory with this for this uh, Battle Beyond the Stars episode. And it's still horrible. Mm. But I remember I did enjoy it a lot when I was a kid. And yes, yeah, the same ship, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> and then the funny thing is, if you look at the 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 marketing or the poster for the, the Space Raiders, they have a different ship on the poster so and as they they're totally i'm, I'm like checking it out right now switching the audience well i was totally checking bait and switching the audience yeah i was checking it out but now i'm bait and switching my uh my eyes back to sybil danning and i'm reading her biography statuesque five foot seven blonde beauty sybil danning reigns supreme as one of the sexiest most dynamic and commanding actresses to achieve cult b movie queen status so funny by the way side note that i wouldn't know about her already Cause you know, I, I mean, I remember Elvira, you know, yeah. I, I remember, um, oh fuck me in the fucking ass. Who am I trying to think of? What's her name? She was in Swamp Thing, the Wes Craven Swamp Thing. God damn it. She even did the voice of Catwoman in Batman, the animated series. Oh, come on. Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau, okay. I'm a Michael Bean fanatic or Michael Bain in some countries, depending on where you're from and how you pronounce it. You know what I'm saying? So like I know all these like B movie, C movie guys that we call and I know Michael Bain went on to do a lot more bigger movies, but you know what I mean? He's done a lot of B movies too. But especially some of those vixens, you know, like 
you know, uh, like I said, Adrian Barbeau, you know what I'm saying? You got fucking Maria Conchito Alonso. Oh, how can we forget about her from fucking The Running Man? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, Predator 2. Come on, Predator Dosky. She was pregnant. Pre- Predator didn't want to fucking kill a pregnant woman, you know? But here this woman is born in Austria, Sybil Danning, daughter of U.S. Army major and Austrian mother. She grew up on an army bases in New Jersey, Maryland, and Sacramento, California. She started as a model. And her film to view is a beautiful, tragic L'Oreal, a German legend who threw herself into the Rhine River. But then she went on to do movies like fucking 83 movies, by the way. To this day, she's still acting. She even showed up in uh, that Rob Zombie Halloween as one of the nurses. Uh, but let's see. Let's go all the way back to 1971. The Long Swift Sword of Siegfried. But that, <laughs> I, I, bet she, I bet she fucking puts on that Long Swift Sword all right. All right. You don't have to say anymore. You don't have to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she did a lot of shit in the 70s too how to beat the high cost of living all right and on the cover it's just her and like three chicks battle beyond the stars okay night kill the salamander okay separate ways and she's got her fucking naked back to the fucking cover we got chained heat hercules they're playing with fire that's where she sleeps with her student and there's you know if you goog her it goes right to that scene jungle warriors that just sounds like a great time all right don't forget the Panther Squad, 1984. Don't worry, that's next on my list. It's on YouTube. Uh, Malibu Express, Howling 2, which I mentioned earlier, where she's like, she takes off her top in that and just has a werewolf orgy. She plays a werewolf, and they have sex with other werewolves. Reform Schoolgirls, where she plays the naughty principal. Talking Walls, it's just a shot of legs in the cover. Amazon Women on the Moon, The Phantom Empire. She did an episode of Superboy back in the, uh, back in the 80s, too. But my point is, <laughs> oh, werewolf women of the SS. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> I, I love that shit. You know what I'm saying? I love campy, pulpy, sexy shit. I mean, that is my shit, you know? So, yeah. Is it is it because, um like, kids from the 80s like us, did we have, like, our sexual kind of, like, and awakening too early? Was it, is it that, like? aren't you like normal kids i don't know what normal kids but normal kids you have them like maybe when they're like in their teens it's, and it's, we're just exposed to all these yeah you know it's you're 100 percent right you've never been more right in your life uh you've never been more right about anything um because there's a little movie that came out in the 80s called weird science you know <laughs> and most kids growing up watching that movie probably be like oh yeah it's a funny movie man that anthony michael hall was hilarious and it is a funny movie and it is a fun little movie to watch. It's definitely got some interesting uh, choice language if you watch it now that doesn't really quite hold up in the 21st century, if you catch my drift. Mm-hmm. There's some slurs in there that don't quite hold up. But but if you watch that movie, all right, and you actually watch that movie, even at like age, when did that come out? 1985. Okay, I saw it on VHS, so I might have been six or seven when I saw it. Dude, yeah. And I just remember... <laughs> Kelly LeBron. We turn out all right. <laughs> Bro. I mean, look at us. But I just remember Kelly LeBron coming out of that goddamn shower. And how I wanted those boys to have their way with that woman so bad. Steamy. Knowing yeah. that they were in high school and they were minors. That Kelly LeBron, she was so fine. You know? For an eight-year-old, that's that's it. 
it didn't it didn't cross my mind like oh wait a minute that's inappropriate that they're in the shower i was like no they need to fuck like all three of them like and i didn't even know what fucking was then i just like i just they just need to rub their privates against each other Hmm. yeah yeah as a kid you cartoony you go like barely you know your eyes are popping right she might as well have been jessica rabbit you know what i mean yeah it was the same it was the same concept hyper like you said hyper sexualized hyper stylized um like i said it was the 80s you know everything was an excess everything was an excess the hair bands the videos tight leather you know what i'm saying Mm. and then sex and drugs yeah right all of it you know and then michelle pfeiffer puts on that catwoman suit when i'm 10 years old and it's a fucking rap the rest is history Mm. plus you have all those artists that that um grew up maybe in the 60s you know with a lot of that sexual freedom and and free love and drugs and uh right and right. it kind of like and, and then you see it on on cellular you see it on the pages 20 years later that that product uh that, that that influence of just open sex stuff and drugs you know and and, and it's everywhere it's in fucking scooby-doo and it's in you know <laughs> weird science and it's in this uh b movie from you know sci-fi b movie and it's sold you know what i'm saying sex sold and it mm-hmm. still sells, but it's on a different medium now. Like it's more like social media now and like, you know, people influencing and like, you know, the porn industry is bigger than ever. But yeah, but we're but and, and actually I'll say this too, like even cable television is like racier than it's ever fucking been. I'll admit I'll admit that. I think that's I think it's more not even HBO and shit. Like I'm talking like FX and like regular cable like shows are racier than they've ever been. But there's that pulpiness and that campiness and that extremism that's gone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That over the sex top itself, shit. It, it's just right there. It's direct straight to the vein right. nowadays. Right. You you have to get it back in the day, you know, through these uh these this media. And it was, you know, and you and you just saw a little bit of lasers, tits, robots, like you said at the beginning of the show. And it was just better. Yeah, it was it was better. And how many times did you see somebody crashing through a window while some while some poor woman's changing? You know what I'm saying? That was almost in every single action movie, or like two guys fighting through a fucking bathhouse, and of course there's some random women or a strip club, and some strippers are just running, and there's just gratuitous tits. That doesn't happen anymore. You know what I mean? And that's why I think it was just more fun. It was just racier. It was. It just, was racier. Uh, yeah, because it was fuel, you know, by the 80s, that energy, the cocaine, you know, right. the times, the money, Wall Street, you know, uh, crazy production, you know, the, the, the Star Wars made money. We're going to pour money on all these shit. We're going to all get rich. Right. It's uh, fast times. Yeah. It's fast times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> or it's battle beyond the fucking stars, you know? And that's what they should have called this movie. Battle Beyond the Fucking Stars. And everybody's just and j- fucking. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and fucking to James Horner's score. How about yes, that score? Yes, how about that score? Not bad. Not a bad little score. Reminded bad. me of what he would eventually do for Wrath of Khan. <laughs> it had mm. a nice, it had a Wrath of Khan feel to it. Mm. You know? My favorite, uh, uh, my favorite scene in the movie, uh, it's when I, with uh, Robert Vaughn, you know, that it's that scene where uh, cowboy, space cowboy, played by George Pepper, goes, um, uh, "I'm from Earth. Ever heard of it?" No. <laughs> he's he's like, 
I live in space. Oh, why don't you put some between us then, huh? That's exactly what he says. He goes, why don't you put some between us? What's that, space? Space? I really enjoyed those two. um, But I got to say, my favorite scene is, hands down, is that Sybil Danning telling the the daughter, the scientist daughter. That's right. She doesn't even have a name. um, Telling her, like, what she would do to Shad. She's like, I would take him and dingle dangle prangle his transistors. (laughs) You know. Fucking. <laughs> and she had those Totskis hanging out. And she's talking about fucking while she's putting that weird illuminated crystal into the side of the mountain. I uh, I just really. I, Listen, I We got a lot to thank for this movie. It was we got we got Terminator thanks to this movie. So we did. You know, I mean, we did. It's because of this movie that James Cameron was able to get out of the, the set design department and, and bring his vision along with the help from Gail Ann Hurd when they were fucking and smoking weed. And uh, she's, she's got her fingerprints on this movie too, I saw. Really? Yeah. Know. She got her fingerprints all over his cock too, huh? <laughs> hey, I said it before and I'll say it again. That Gail Ann Hurd and that James Cameron, that's all they did. It's fucking smoke yeah. weed and yeah. fuck. And draw fucking drawings of fucking ships and xenomorphs and all kinds of shit. Really? I never saw that in a special feature. So no, that's all, that's all they were doing. That's all they were fucking doing. And the H.R. Geiger came over and filmed the whole goddamn thing wearing a xenomorph fucking mask. And they'd be like, it'd be cool if like the tongue came out and Gail would be like, yeah, speaking of tongues. And then she takes the whole fucking costume department in her hands and mouth and ass because she likes it you even you look at pictures of her now you're like oh yeah she opened that back door and cameron's there like easy now i want to go underwater i want to go underwater she goes i can't hold my breath underwater anyway under the sea uh let's rate this thing <laughs> this gem of a we really classes up right we started you know very uh with plethora and echelons and uh hey classed hey. it up it's part of the test of this podcast to see which sons of bitches out there and dickheads out there are actually going to stick through the podcast and and wade through the mucky muck with us, you know? Which one of you guys are going to stay with us? And what are we going to rate this, Gemma Flick? We do have six beautiful ratings on the show and we talk about our movies because we like to stay in the positive instead of going into the negative because we all know all you got to do is turn on the news or scroll through your fucking doom-scrolling Instagram feed and you can find out there's plenty of negativity out there already without two assholes talking about a fucking movie from 1980. So let's not throw any more gasoline on the fire. Let's fucking lean back in our easy chairs, put our feet up and crack open another seltzer and say, hey, what are we going to rate this flick? We got at the top of the heap. Call out of work, good. Movie theater, good. Home video, good. <sighs> Catch it on cable, good. Sick with the flu, good. And solitary confinement, good. Jay, give me what you got. <laughs> I would say like catch it on cable. Like is it if it's showing, you know, I'll keep it on in the background and just kind of look at him every once in a while. And then I would never, I mean, I'll never finish it probably again. I'll probably just Google Sybil Dannons and jerk off and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage all Kamikazes to Googs right now. Go ahead. We'll wait. We'll we won't even continue. Go ahead and googs, googs her right now if you haven't already. Sybil, that's S-Y-B-I-L-D-A-N-N-I-N-G. 
And I'm telling you, you get a good Googs on, a good Googs image is all you need. She even did a Playboy spread. True story. And we'll wait right here. Go ahead. You Googs it. Mm -hmm. You go ahead and Googs. Yeah, you like that, don't you? You like it. You like it. So I think I'd probably rate this. Uh, I'd probably rate this. Uh, I got to go solitary confinement because the only way I'm going to fucking watch this shit is if I'm in solitary confinement down in a deep hole somewhere in a fucking maximum security prison and somebody slides a copy of that bitch underneath my door, my cell door. And I had just happened to have a Blu-ray player in my solitary confinement and a little TV. Um, and I can just fucking watch Sybil Danning in that costume and just fap away all the fucking depression. You know what I'm saying? And until I'm just crying tears, crying tears of sorrow. You know what I'm saying? And my penis is crying calm and I'm crying tears and we're both crying together. You know? And then somebody says, lights out. <laughs> it's, it's solitary. I thought lights were always out. Anyway. <laughs> and then Powell's like the fucking, he's the prison guard. And he comes by with his nightstick. <laughs> he comes by with his nightstick to wake me up. Wake up, Stevens! You son of a bitch. Uh, uh, that's that's not his nightstick. No, it's, it's not his nightstick, and he gives it to me, and I take it. I take it in. I drink it up. I drink his milkshake, Eli. Oh. Again with the eye contact, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I drink it up. <laughs> it's called drainage, Eli. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> what a ride! That was climactic. All right. <laughs> hey, I was just uh. I was just inspired, you know? This film inspired me to be absolutely filthy. We turned out all right. Like we I did said. turn out all right. You want to you wanna jump on the next uh, Sybil Danning adventure with me? Uh, yes, seniorities. <laughs> all right, I'll send you the details and the dossier shortly. We should just make it a side podcast, like a whole new podcast, like where we just watch nothing Sybil but, but Sybil Danning movies. She's got 83 movies. We could we could get like 83 or at least 83 film appearances. We could probably get a good, you know, 80 episodes out of that bitch. Just watch the little drain myself. <laughs> I'll drain it, Eli. I just changed his voice completely. It's called listenership, Stevens. And we just watch it plummet, you know. Yeah, it was a fun show, but then they just started talking about the Sybil Danning actress. And she's like, it's B-movie actress, and it just got out of hand. And aren't there better B-movie actresses out there to, to fucking talk about, you know? I'm sure there are, but maybe for another episode. Maybe for another episode. I mean, I'm sure I could have tossed out, like, I don't know, who was another good one? Raquel Welch, wasn't she a B-movie actress? Oh. No, I don't think she was. Actually. No, she, she was a, a she was a, she was a real she was a real classy lady. Yeah. <laughs> I do that. My I do like that Barbo though. That Barbo. Adrian Barbo. Oh yeah, but who was the who was the actress who was in the Conan movie who played? Uh, and then she showed up in Sheena. Oh, and don't forget Bridget Nielsen. She was Red Sonia. Oh yeah. And, and then she was in Beverly Hills Cop Dosky. 
You mean Sandal Bergman? And Sandal Bergman, yeah. Yeah. San- Sandal ah. <laughs> You're like a little sexual gremlin, bro. <laughs> that was that Comic-Con creeper coming out again. Jesus. That's what ah. they pour on you in the... <laughs> They just pour water on you in the dungeon. Just yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I'm reproducing." I thought you were non-binary. Yes, but I haven't eaten. I thought that's when you turn into the gremlins when you eat after midnight. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll, we'll compile a list. That's another good episode idea. Best B movie mm, vixens. Yeah, mm. Mm. I like it. I like mm. here. Yeah. Well, I like you, sir. Thank you for doing this. This was a fun little ride. Oh, thank you for having me. If you haven't watched Andor yet, kids, go check it out. And in between the episodes, when you're waiting for the next one to drop, you can just pop on a little battle beyond the fucking stars. (laughs) And then you can listen to this episode. Because anybody else listening to this episode probably jumped right off when we started talking about the movie because they're like, who the fucking what the? Who in the where was I? You know, who in the fuck in the what was I? Wait, wasn't it Star Wars? Wait, <laughs> talk about Star Wars. I talk about Star Wars. I talk about Star Wars. Yeah, we talked about the battle, battle beyond the stars. The fucking stars. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> who is this? Who, who is this? Uh, Sybil Denning character? Huh? <laughs> Love the voice work, man. Jeez, hey, girl. if you. If you ever, okay, pondered your mortality, thought about your sexuality, even for a moment, questioned your spirituality, remember at the end of the day, don't take it seriously, okay? Because it's just fiction, okay? It's just fucking fiction, all right? Thanks for listening. Thanks, Jay. Take us out, Sybil. I could do wonders for that boy. I would recharge his capacitators, stimulate his solenoid, tingle, dingle, dangle, prangle his transistors. You know, sex.